Diane, it's 8.05 p.m. Hello and welcome to another episode of Twin Peaks Peaks. My name is Ashley Brandt. My name is Matthew Tired of Sex Olson. <laughs> that specifically, specifically sex on Twin Peaks. Alright, in case you were wondering, we are talking about Checkmate. Okay, episode 20. <laughs> I didn't even check to see if that was the name of the episode. That is the name of the episode. Good. I know this because this is apparently the last episode that I tried to watch and finished about partway through one of the worst sex scenes yeah. of the many bad sex scenes in this episode. Um, oh, careful there. I'm just moving it closer. Yeah, well, the, 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 the listeners at home know. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um... But we made it! Hooray! Hey. We made it to when you stopped watching. <laughs> this is a milestone. This is a milestone for us. Yeah. You know? We've been talking about this for a while. So from here on out, it's all it's all amazing, untouched ground for you. And for me, it's my third time through the whole boy. Actually, no, that would be fourth time through, right? I haven't been keeping track of that. <laughs> if I've been telling the audience at home, if I've been telling you that this is my third time watching Twin Peaks, I'm wrong. Because I watched it once when I was a teen, once again later, and then once all the way again later on. Um, like, basically, I think it was like either the very beginning of my senior year or like very end of my junior year college. Can you give me specific dates? When were when were you watching? When, when were you organizing the, the viewings at the coffee shop? That was fall of our senior year. That was so. Then it would have been late, late my junior year that I was watching it again, all okay. the way through. Yes, because uh, I had just finished watching it again all the way through, and then you're like, "Here's more Twin Peaks," and I was like, "Am I ready for this again?" <laughs> and I was not at the time. And that was even when you approached me about a podcast, and I was like, "I'm not ready." And yet here we are. <laughs> well, we finished school, and we just had to have something to fill the void. I guess. Something to replace homework, which is what, which is a little bit what Washington Peaks feels like at this point. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. I can, I can really see why I stopped. When we opened on the Windows Movie Maker effects with the stars and the flames and Major Brig in a throne, I was like, why would I ever stop watching? This episode looks awesome. You change your tune real quick. Yes, it went very swiftly downhill from there. Um, also, I'm not even going to ask. There's no, there's no, uh, Revival news this week. Not until Showtime confirms something besides Kyle MacLachlan's no. contract. So let's just move. Let's just. It's a, it's a tired refrain. It's almost like our catchphrase. Yeah, no news, no news. Um, but uh, let's just launch right into the episode. Uh, first, I'm going to ask you though. What's up? What What did you think of the Blu-ray experience? This is a unique episode, also because we just watched it right yeah, before recording it literally together a minute ago. We'd, we'd never do this. We never actually watch it in the same place. Nope. But we're both busy this week. So what did you think of watching it on Blu-ray? Um, I mean, I love all the Logway intros, mm -hmm. conceptually and otherwise. But it was interesting to see the, like, previously on Twin Peaks and, like, coming up next on Twin Peaks. Um, I don't know what you previews or whatever um mm -hmm. just because like every show does them differently like mad men love to just do like the most ambiguous shit yeah have you seen a mad men no i but... have to at the end of this i'll show you okay all right um it's just interesting to see like 
what the network thinks is important. <laughs> yeah, I assume it's the network that's that's stitching these together. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not watching this, I mean, if you have the Blu-rays or if you have the gold box, you can watch these, I think, um, the gold box DVDs. But if you're watching on Netflix, which, you know, is a totally fine way to watch, like don't bother going out to... You can find all the log lady introductions online. Those are maybe worth looking up if you're interested. But um, I would say so, yeah. If you're really curious as to what the next times look like, it's I think it's always three or four still images accompany each accompanied by like a line stripped of context from the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of made to be mysterious. Like I like that better in terms of like teasing an episode than actually showing like a clip or like especially like there are shows that'll do like part of an entire scene yeah um and that just like is sort of obnoxious to me um yeah but i know what's gonna happen next and uh that's a heavy burden to carry heavy burden to carry where do you want to start talking about this episode oh where should we start i actually want to ask you though on the topic of these previews does that ever entice you to watch something when you see them? Because I I don't see them because I don't watch things on TV. Oh, so to does it do I am I enticed by the next time previews for a show? Yeah. Does that ever motivate you to like does that ever change your decision? Is really what I'm asking. Oh, have I ever been like, I'm done with this shit and then I see the next time and I'm like, maybe not. Like, is that what you mean? Or- yeah, that that is what I mean. I feel like if that's ever happened to me, it was a show that was itself so forgettable that I've forgotten that experience. (laughs) Like a show that I probably didn't finish watching or like, you know, just something I watched the whole way through and I couldn't even tell you. Like, did Dexter have those? I don't know. Again, I I don't watch things on TV usually. Actually. Okay. You don't watch things on TV usually, but you've watched television shows. A lot. Not in a long time. I've watched television shows a lot, but I have not had cable, regular cable access in like over eight years. See, but like neither, well, I mean, I wasn't watching much TV when I was like a junior, senior in high school, I think. Like Lost when that ended, which was maybe the end of my junior year, beginning of senior year. Uh, That was it. End of junior year. Okay. That was it. So... You know, did they do the, they did those on on Lost? They, they would do, do like, those the next on like everything. Yeah, but like, I just feel like usually I'm like blindly plotting on through a show. Okay, okay. So you like someone has told you to watch this or something, or you've decided you're interested in this. Yeah. But when one episode ends, you're like, well, my my decision to watch the next episode is based purely on whether or not this one was good and whether or not I have time. More or less, but I also realized that I totally had that experience with shameless previews because they post them on YouTube. And I was like, I'm done with this garbage show. And then I watched a preview and I was like, ah, shit. I have to watch the next episode. Yeah. I've, no, I, I don't, nothing sticks out in my mind. Like when it was a show that I was really into, like Lost. I was like already in. It didn't matter. See, that's um, how I usually feel about TV. I'm just wondering, like, are there people out there who like? I guess there have to be. I'm just wondering if these previews really serve a functional purpose. I think they. I think they serve a functional purpose for getting people to tune in the next week. 
Like I think I think telling people like you know a, a next time preview is as much a way to get people to engage with the show as it is to get people to engage with the show as in watch it and then if they have a nielsen box be like i watched that and then right and then that's ratings like it's something to stick in your mind that's not just like remember this show's on it's like next week this will happen and if one of those things reminds a person to watch the show and not just like yeah i don't know have a play date with their kids that night or something equally wholesome (laughs) and better than watching tv uh then uh, then it works in the network's favor. I think I it, I have to imagine it more came out of that, like let's keep people watching yeah. the show than to actually like kind of tease people along for mm-hmm, like the purpose mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. generating excited fans or mm-hmm. something. Um, yeah. Though I this... do wonder who is actually in charge of putting them together. I mm-hmm. mean, we both kind of assume it's the network. Yeah. There seems to be no true artistic cohesion in the arrangement. Sure. Of. Um, I do. Oh, what was I going to say? Um, now that so we just looked at the Usenet together for the first time. We did, and, and you had a, of, a wild time. There are a lot of people who are really interested in what happened in the previews because the previews would get cut off by their local <laughs> networks. So you know the diehard fans on Usenet definitely cared because they just wanted to know what's next and wanted that next episode in their veins directly. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. I feel like that has totally died away. That, like, be spoiled at all costs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, gosh, we got a lot to... We got a lot of ground to cover this episode. Let's start, with the, let's start with the Windows Movie Maker special effects. Let's start with that, and then I think we should rank how gross the sex scenes are on a scale. Uh, let's maybe... Let's, okay. I think we should do that. Okay. Well, anyway, um, Major Briggs... Our favorite and yours, hopefully, uh, visibly shaken and in a kind of dreamy sequence that you said while we were watching it, pulled straight out of the X-Files, it seems, <laughs> uh, sitting in his like ivy covered stone chair, mm-hmm. uh, recounting what happened to him or rather recounting that he cannot remember mm-hmm. uh, that he is mentally blocked. Mm-hmm. And then jumping straight into, have you heard of Project Blue Book? It's the UFO thing. You've heard of it, right? But also sometimes underground stuff. Just like, again, threading this plot line along with nothing but exposition. But this time, at least accompanied with some cool visuals, right? Yep. Like, that was a highlight. And he's got a scar now. He's got a scar that's like the Triforce from Zelda, but not really, like inverted. I don't know what that means. The Triforce. I'm gonna, I'm going to be able to like kind of hand mime this to you, Ashley. But then the listeners at home are just going to have to know what it looks like or not. The Triforce is a triangle that's made up of three interior oh, triangles. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then Major Briggs has the three triangles meeting at their points. In, uh, like that's the thing that it looks like the radiation symbol. Oh. That's what flashes out at the screen at us. Yes. Yeah, and he's got that scar on his neck. Yes. And. Oh, yeah, and Doc Hayward's there, because, of course, like, <laughs> uh, when would he be? Yeah. Um, we have been seeing less of Doc Hayward. So, you've been saying the last couple of weeks, you're convinced, aliens. And this week, they're like, aliens. But how convinced are you that it's aliens now, knowing everything else? I'm s- super convinced that he traveled forward in time to the X-Files universe, <laughs> wherein he had a daughter named Dana Scully, and tragically died after she started investigating the x-files and now he has returned whoa 
that's some that's some that's some crazy conjoined universe stuff yep going on which would also suggest that dana scully and bobby briggs are half siblings <laughs> think about that think about that theory i'm now, really into that where does stargate fit into this <laughs> that's your job to fit that in um well that would require <laughs> that would require like a second false death <laughs> But I don't think his character actually dies in Stargate. I think he just gets written off. So then he wouldn't be able to die there and return to Twin Peaks. Maybe like it's just There's the astral plane. <laughs> I bet you if we Google search right now, Don Davis universe theory, um, <laughs> there's a theory that all, of his, that all of his pulpy sci-fi characters exist across the same conjoined universe. I'm going to Google uh, that right now. Multiverse. And if it's not a thing, I'm going to make it a thing. Yeah, you're going to go all fucking Rick and Morty on this bit. And <laughs> draw out like crazy. You should watch Stargate. You you asked if we should do another podcast after this, and I could be more easily swayed to do a Stargate podcast than say. My last suggestion was lost. Yeah, say anything. I ha- once had more like Stargate was like something I liked, but I'd say throughout most of my experience watching it, it was more because it was something that was on. Uh. Like there, there are good episodes and good, good seasons maybe, but like a show was like, there's just a lot of it, you know? So there is a Don Davis park in Oregon. There is not a Don Davis universe and or multiverse theory. But is it named after him? I don't know. If it's, the, if the Don Davis park is named after the Don Davis, we have to go make a pilgrimage, right? I think we do, depending on where this is relative to where we are. Oregon's not that big of a state. It's like kind of big. It is. Is it on... bigger than Michigan? No. Well, then there you go. Is it on the coast? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. We're taking a coast trip. We're um, taking a coast trip for Major Briggs. It's a. Oh, it's pretty close. It's like north of Yahats. Oh, that yeah. That's like that's... a two and a half hour drive, maybe. Yeah. Also, then we could go to Yahats, party on the beach. Woo. All right. Go buy it's some a very crystals. small park. I want to put that out there. Oh, well. I hope it's actually named for Don. Okay. We got to focus. Don Davis Park. We got to focus. Um, Please donate to the Don Davis Park field trip fund. Yeah. Or actually. Oh, it's in Newport. Um, donate, donate to Planned Parenthood. I know we said that like a couple yeah. months ago, uh, but it slipped my mind to bring that up again last week. Uh, but do, do that. It's the holiday season. Um, Especially because um, they do have like security guards at the clinics right now, and that's like an extra cost on yes. top of Don't, please, please their normal operating costs. If you're if you're coming to Twin Peaks Peaks for your uh, charitable donation suggestions, uh, our stance has not changed. We still endorse that. Um, I also like super inconvenienced everyone at Planned Parenthood, and they were so nice to me. <laughs> I came you blundered in, in Planned Parenthood. <laughs> I like came in like ten minutes before they closed and was like, "I took a wrong turn. Can you please refill my birth control prescription?" And they were like, "Yeah, we nice. can do that for you." Nice. Um, support that. Uh, Briggs visibly shaken for once, uh, and then just whisked away after he spills the beans that he is in fact looking for the White Lodge. Um, but we know. But I ask you that question because we know Hawks talked about the White Lodge. Yeah. So do you think Hawks talking about some alien shit? Is Hawk talking about alien shit? Yeah. 
I'm asking you, given what we've gotten in these exposition dumps from like mm-hmm. Briggs and the other mm-hmm. uh, general-ish guy, whatever his rank was, and then Hawk, and I think maybe Harry's whispered some intonations of like "What's up in the woods?" Like where, what you think actually the root cause is. I mean, ultimately, I know it's not aliens, but I want it to be aliens. I want it to be some, like, ancient alien shit. Like, the aliens came down, they set up the White Lodge, ancient civilizations discovered it, kind of inhabited it, didn't really understand it, and then the aliens come back. And there's a wheel underneath the White Lodge that allows it to move from place to place. Yeah. And then a in the 70s... <laughs> okay, all right. It's not a... It won't get me to do a podcast about Lost um but seeing major briggs again made me really bummed that don davis will not be in season three r.i.p a true Mm -hmm. hero yes um very sad and if that park is for him we're definitely defo gonna go look forward to a special (laughs) episode if so um god recording at the recording at the coast would be awful though just we need windscreens around the entire mic yep uh let's let's rank these gross ass sex sex scenes so So, yeah Go ahead. Fuck. I, I just I'm just gonna lay out all the ones we have. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have Norma and Ed. Yeah. Not not that gross. Well, let's not rank yet. Let's just list them out. And then... I'm just I'm just right. disclaiming that one. Okay. Um, Harry and Josie. Okay. Catherine and Ben. Mm-hmm. Who else is on? Evelyn and James. Yeah. Are we missing anyone? Do we count Nadine and Mike? No, that's just not... some. That's just some... Uh, that's honorable mention weird shit. Yeah. That's just a non-consensual kiss. Uh, still not still not great, but... Um, so honorable mention. <laughs> honorable mention. But not, uh, not on the list of four. Who wants to rank first? I think we should go least gross to most gross. Okay, but who's going to do it first? I will go first and say that Norma and Ed not that gross agreed okay let's well yeah let's see let's see okay well let's do it back and forth okay so we both agree on our least growths and then i'll try to say what i think is the second least gross okay fuck this is hard <laughs> it's like immediately the next three jump like right up there in the running um shit i might have an, i might i might upset your your bracket here um I think the next least gross is James and Evelyn. I was going to say that. Okay. All right. All right. Because there's nothing not consensual going on. There can be an argument that James does not really know what he's getting himself into. Yeah. Also, there's an argument that James is an idiot who wasted some probably really nice champagne. Hell yeah. Um, He's a fucking brat. He's a brat. Uh, but that scene does go on for way too long. Um, There's a the, weird voyeurism aspect to the it. The camera pan to reveal Evelyn's brother does not like help the scene because he should have been like right behind the car. Should have been right behind the car. Poke up his head <laughs> behind the car and then it cuts there. That would have been much better. That would have been the funniest scene in the episode. Um, okay, so that's okay. Now is the the second place gross. What are you going to say? Um, I got to give, I think, I think I got to give it to Ben and Catherine. 
we're in complete agreement All about right. the ordering of the gross sex scenes. All right. Oh my god. Look at us. Look at us, podcast hosts. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope that high five wasn't too loud. We'll um, see. Um, but some gross highlights include Catherine wrapping him in her poncho. Yeah. We were watching it. You said some foot shit's about to happen. And thankfully, we did not stick in the room that long. But uh, that was another scene that went on too long. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Went on far too long. Um, I wrote down because I hated it so much. Kiss me generally. Uh, I also wrote down right above that before she before Catherine said that I said, fuck this. So <laughs> you can tell that that is um, uh, because I was I hated it while watching it. But was still able to write down notes that's what makes it my number two okay but the the and this is like every scene with harry and josie is that harry cannot be in the same room as josie for more than 30 seconds without just immediately forcing himself upon her yep and it's really gross yep and it's more tangibly gross now that she's in a really vulnerable position Mm mm-hmm um i think that's all that really needs to be said it goes on for too long like the other ones do yep um it and it really lingers on and i i mean i wonder how much of this is like intentional Mm -hmm. but like versus like trying to be network tv titillating and just like hold on like a make out for too long but he's like really being like borderline forceful and i think josie even says like stop at one point no he's fucked up uh, there's no two ways around it. And not I, respecting her wishes at all. I just would hope that it was at least filmed with that knowledge and not just like, all right, here's the steamy scene. Go for it. And that that's what came out. But either way, it's both of our least favorite sex scenes this episode. All right. Go us. Now we can be in complete agreement about Twin Peaks for the rest of the podcast <laughs> and have no interest in conversations about anything substantive. That was the litmus test. That was the plan all along. Um, let's discuss our honorable mention. <laughs> the honorable mention. Also, not consensual. Nadine right. pushing Mike across the diner stools to make mm-hmm. out with him and like kind of forcefully holding him towards her. Yeah. Um... Again, no disrespect to Wendy Roby. She is trying to work with some terrible ass material. Also... No disrespect meant to Gary Hirschberger. That's his name, right? That's Mike. Okay. Can you Google that? Yes. I believe that's I believe that's one that uh our 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 guests our two time guest Scott pulled out that I had never like bothered to look up before. But yeah. Gary I'm just gonna call him Gary. I'm gonna call him Gary H. No disrespect done. meant to him. In fact Gary Hirschberger. Yes. Good. What is he Thank up to God. now? My memory is intact. Um Oh, he's pretty handsome. Oh, yeah. I bet Mike... I bet Snake aged well. Um, but he... He's, like, not graying or anything. That's cool. Like, Dana has that, like, shock of white hair. Uh, Dana uh, Ashbrook is a fucking silver fox, as Yeah, we no, I know. He is. Anyway, okay. So, uh, let's focus. Put the phone, fo- put the phone down. Okay. We had a rule about this. You can't look up any news about St. <laughs> West. All right. Um... <laughs> We're recording this the day that the name was announced, if you couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Are you getting texts about this right now? Yeah. I, oh, I my God. I'm taking your phone stop. away. Wait, my I'm notes. T- I'm taking your phone away my until notes. you actually need your notes. Okay. 
<laughs> we're just talking about the scene with Nadine and Mike right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> show some restraint. We have to be podcast professionals. All right. Um, Nadine and Mike. Uh, I'm really glad that even though this is a really like goofy slapsticky plot line mm-hmm. and it's got some questionable bits and it's like, why am I watching this? Uh, why did they bring Gary Hirschberger back just to do this? But I'm glad he's back because his thing where it's like, no, Nadine, I want two pieces of pie for myself. <laughs> actually, I want cherry pie and meatloaf. I'm just like, oh man, I like that they're giving this like guy actual screen time again. Like even for this dumb thing, I like Gary Hirschberger's like moxie, I guess is what I'd say. <laughs> moxie is like pretty accurate. Yeah. He he's had- got moxie. <laughs> He had a lot of moxie when he was um, telling Bobby where to find the cocaine in that shoe. <laughs> or the tape. It was a tape in the shoe. Well, it's like, I'm glad that he was at least given something to do outside of Bobby's storyline. And I'm outside of Donna's storyline. I'm not glad it was this, though. <laughs> right? Like, it's it's a small it's a small something. And it's like, also, like, why am I not watching more of the log lady right now? Like, why am I... Yeah. <laughs> Where's Audrey's mom at? Where is Audrey's mom why isn't Mike telling Bobby that? Hey, is Ronette is Ronette better? <laughs> like, <laughs> I what about, completely what about the real about Mrs. Ronette. Tremont? What's her deal? <laughs> Where did she get those great sunglasses? <laughs> anyway, more women on Twin Peaks, please. Um, what else is going on in this episode? Oh boy! Well, we get Shelly this episode. Um, I don't know. Yeah, let's just talk. Let's let's not circle back to things. Let's talk about Bobby and Shelly. Um, Discord in that house. Namely, Bobby thinks he's hot shit now because he's decided to... <laughs> to be the errand boy to someone who is out of his mind. Out of his mind. He's decided to toady up with Ben Horn, possibly the most hated man in Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, Who's also fighting for the Confederacy in his fantasy. Oh, God. So, Bobby's being a jerk. Shelly gives him a good old slap. He deserved it. He definitely deserved it. But I'm. it makes me a little sad to see that our favorite couple in Twin Peaks is on the rocks right now. They're coming back. I've seen the gifs. You've seen the gifs? Okay. <laughs> um, but, hey there. Hey there, Leo. Hey Blink- there, looking real scary. <laughs> Blinking rapidly. Blinking rapidly. And then, of course, the end of episode stinger uh jumping just right ahead to that yeah uh which was actually uh did we look up who directed this episode i did um who is it his name is todd holland todd holland do you want me to well i mean just did like that was a great like that was actually very well very shot and edited and very spooky and uh leo with the cake on his face yes like did he plan that? Like, they didn't still have yes. cake around, and he didn't, like, fall in it and then wake up yes. again. Like, he had the cake and the hat. Yes. Like, intentionally yes. recalling that to be like, fuck you. Yes. Like, Leo has finally become actually scary. Yes. As opposed to just, like, mustache twirling <laughs> villain scary. Yes. Um, so we're in agreement about Leo. <laughs> no, um, but I think you make a good point actually about the aesthetics of this episode because I was super disappointed with the last episode, just leaning into like some really easy camera work. Yeah. 
Um, and I think, honestly, the Windows Movie Maker, this was like 1990 when they were throwing mm-hmm. this together. I'll give them that. Yeah. You know, the X-Files um, opener looked like it was made on PowerPoint. <laughs> and that's coming several years after this. Yeah. So uh-huh. good on them. Uh, I want I want to see if this is a true test. A true, true test of whether or not we're in sync on this episode. Okay. Uh, think of one other nice camera work moment in oh, the episode. Are I'm... you thinking of it? Because I'm thinking of what I think of next, and we'll see if you provide. The I same like answer. wasn't thinking of another thing. Oh no, I'm gonna see if you agree with me though. Okay. Hank talking to Norma yes. in the double R. Yes. 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 Okay. Very spooky. Very like just like invasive. The talking through mm-hmm. between the two coffee pots. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just like he, he's watching. He's a watching yeah. and he's being a creep. Uh, That's a good catch. Yeah. So good. Like actually like I think in terms of how this episode was shot, there's also like that nice uh, slow pan over the mountains at one point. Mm-hmm. And um, the spooky shot of the water. Yeah. They like went back up to the Pacific Northwest to do some some B-roll. Yeah, actually I noticed that because they do they do before the the grossest sex scene with Harry and Josie. Mm-hmm. Um or I guess I mean it's still like it's still No, they're all makeout scenes because that's what a sex scene on network TV is. Yep. Um anyway, uh before that they show Harry walking up to the the Packard residence or mm-hmm. like that lodge, which is actually not even near Snoqualmie or uh, if I recall, their exterior for that is not near Snoqualmie or North Bend. It's like out on the Puget Sound, which is further away. Oh. So unless they had some canned footage of someone who can vaguely pass for Sheriff Harry Truman walking up and just knocking on the door, they would have had to go back and just film someone walking up to that place and knocking on the door for that scene. Interesting. So a little above and beyond. Interesting. Um, Or just a good use of footage. This is, again, this is the back half of season two. So there was that, like, month-long gap between the airing of these episodes. So I think there is a little wiggle room in the production schedule. Just send, like, a couple dudes up there with some jackets. Just a couple dudes. Yeah. Um... It's actually it's actually all just David and Mark. Yep. They actually went up there yep. to Washington. It was a boys weekend. <laughs> it was a boys weekend out. Just a couple dudes just shooting some B-roll, you know, drinking some brewskis. <laughs> now it's my turn to put on the sheriff's jacket. <laughs> I can do a way better knock than you. Um Cool. Good. Good commentary, Matt. I feel goofy today. I was telling you this in the car. I feel goofy today, but yep. we don't need to go any further um, than that. I won't talk... sing a Frasier theme this week. <laughs> let's talk about um, Dick Tremaine's Inspector Gadget get up. Oh, uh, you think you think Inspector Gadget? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> go go Gadget comb. Oh, I have to look nice. <laughs> uh, and the fact that Andy is getting a cat out of a tree. <laughs> the fact that Andy is like is exhibiting so little sense as to break into this place with uh, Dick Tremaine, uh, I which I told you he should have access to if this is a state-run facility. I suppose so. Yeah. Um, also, just the dumb like he's dead. I mean, dead tired joke like. No one is that stupid. No one is that stupid. This is just, it's like mostly forgettable. Like we've already talked about the, the 
But the, who who was like, you know, who has good chemistry, you know, who needs a whole plot line together? Dick Tremaine and Deputy Andy Brennan. Uh, I just like... <laughs> well, okay, we'll circle back to the Dick Tremaine and Andy Brennan plot line <laughs> when we talk about some of the Usenet comments this okay. week. How about that? Okay. Uh, otherwise, I like I don't super dig it. This episode, there's nothing like that, that even stands out to me that funny or like worthwhile I about just it. Can't believe it's still going. Yeah, uh, but it's also like we went through the mental anguish gamut of of Harry and Josie and James and Evelyn and Ben and Catherine. So like, yeah, really, it doesn't already. even rank that high up in the list of sins. That's this week, true. Among other things too that we have not even talked about yet. Let's uh, speaking of gross things. James and Evelyn. Yeah. And James finally remembers Laura Palmer. <laughs> the reason why he left town. Not Donna Hayward. The first of the first of two oh you finally remembered moments this episode. Uh yeah. I think I wrote down um the little, uh, I love the girl who died. And yeah. it's like that's what yeah. you're going with? After he asks Ed to send all of his savings to a bar. Yeah. And Ed's like, I guess I trust you. <laughs> trust your judgment, boy. Um but yeah. Do you think do you think James would even be capable of feeding a line to Evelyn or if that's like genuinely where his head's at now? That's probably genuinely where his head's at. Yeah, he's just like so he, dull. he got out on the road, he completely forgot about Donna. He was like, "You know what reason I have to feel bad?" My girlfriend is dead. Yeah. The one who is also seeing Bobby Briggs and... Bobby, like, always forgets he's dating Laura. I forget Bobby was dating Laura all the goddamn time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, I also decided to look up uh, uh, Annette McCarthy, who plays Evelyn. Uh, and she's not been in a lot. Kind of her whole career is constrained to late 80s early 90s that's a really late 80s look she's pulling. uh yeah it is in every scene there's the like there's the the first scene with them where james says that line and she's got the the giant sunglasses on and the and the scarf because she's like covering up her bruises and it's supposed to be like the you know mm-hmm. don't don't show weakness or whatever moment but like that itself like is thwarted by the fact that like the makeup shows out beyond the like edges of these ridiculously large 80s sunglasses Mm -hmm. so it ends up looking goofy and i have a hard time being sympathetic when it's already like a very hackneyed like abuse plotline that they're not actually like giving space and treatment to because it's all because it's all to set up a reason why james wants to like be with this woman yep so it's already really bad. And then James says, why do you let him do this to you? Yep. Which, do we even need to? Don't ever say that to someone who's like a victim of domestic abuse. That is the most, one of the most insensitive things you could ever say. Yeah. And Especially because there's a really startling statistic that I don't have on hand about the number of women who are murdered after leaving an abusive partner. Yeah. So... James, fuck you. James um, also says right before that, just to dial it back a little, he was like, "Oh, despite all of the help, all he, something about helping." He was like, "I tried to help, but people died anyway." Something like that. 
He did says he something. Yes, he did. He said something to that effect. Oh, I'm so, no, I'm, I'm questioning. Did you really try to help or did you okay, just decide yes. to live out your Scooby-Doo fantasies with exactly. Donna? Exactly. The only time he and Donna could have helped is had they gone over to Maddie's house like they promised, but they flaked to uh-huh. do their weird sex stuff. <laughs> We don't know if it's weird sex stuff. It's probably very milk toast sex stuff. It's probably very vanilla missionary sex stuff. Uh, Let's not give them points for originality. They don't have the copy of the Karma Sutra in their room. That's for that's for the Black Widow. That's for the Middle Wilford. Um, so uh, James has has negative points this episode. Spills, spills champagne that would already put him like in my shit list um, well first he's like let's have some champagne as we drive away before we drive away right yeah man just fucking up left and right but uh i i, I don't know if we have anything else to Should add we here. let's just follow the james plot line to its conclusion because oh, it's not oh. really intersecting with anything else at this point well because they're literally in another place <laughs> yeah they're not at twin peaks okay um so yeah i hadn't seen this before oh this is after the cut right, right yeah right. so this is really weird yeah so james is being set up by evelyn and her brother who are doing <laughs> actually does this ca- is this honorable mention number two is there a yes! kiss honorable mention number two we yes. left it out yeah. oh god evelyn and her brother whose name i forget because he's i'm amazed i even remember evelyn's name given that this plot line has no significance <laughs> in terms of the actual meta arc of twin peaks uh he's just a rat faced he's just a rat faced gross-haired man in a in a chauffeur's outfit he looks like um professor filch um yeah a little bit a little well is he a professor i don't know filch he looks filch like is filch. A, filch, is a, filch is a caretaker right yeah yeah um but yeah spot on he should have like a little creepy cat who follows yes. him around evelyn's yeah. uh, mansion he's yeah. like a couple of years away from developing the humpback yeah um but so, they also say they also he also says how is our baby boy doing what the that's fuck that's the creepiest yeah well it's like all right that show decided like well you know why don't we add incest back into the mix again like <laughs> You know, one instance wasn't enough for this show. But let's also add it to the plot line that I don't think anybody cares about. Um, unless, unless, as some people do, you think James Hurley is Brando-ish. <laughs> Sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but I can't let that stand for much longer. A Usenet commenter was like, why is, why is there all this James hate? I think he's kind of Brando-ish. And then in parentheses says, I made up that term. Yeah, we know. <laughs> We know you did. That wasn't in the dictionary before. Um, so this is about to get weird. This is about to get weird. Uh, as if this plot line wasn't already weird. Like, why are oh. we following this person who's not in Twin Peaks? And then, sorry, this is backpedaling a little bit, but their sex on the car reminded me of David Cronenberg's Crash. Have you seen that? I have not. Is that the, is that the, is that the movie Crash? No. Okay, no. It was made in 1995. It's, I think, an NC-17 film. And it's about all of these people that are, like, turned on by car crashes. And I think Rosanna Arquette is in it. Don't quote me on that. And 
basically there is a woman who like has been in a shit ton of car crashes she has these giant metal leg braces on and she has a scar on her leg that functions as a vagina thanks cronenberg but it's hey. evelyn kind of looks like a character out of that is <laughs> hey just a just a note to all of our listeners out there anybody who wants to leave a comment on the facebook page or like you know my mom in terms of wanting to text me while listening to this episode i don't need to know anything about your thoughts on anything that ashley just said about a david cronenberg movie that i now do not want to see ever cronenberg cronenberg was made into a noun by one of our favorite shows rick and morty for just being gross 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 thing basically so you know it's a weird movie it is an extremely strange movie i don't need any cronenbergs in twin peak uh oh boy look we got that out of the way yeah, well, you also just ruined any chance of us, like, segueing out of the James and Eveline <laughs> plotline, like, smoothly. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, you, you, you put out there the connections that you have. It's how we reach Don Davis multiverses, is if we don't, if we're not open with each other, you know. There was also, there was another scene that was really weird. I'm sorry, this is also a scene that's ranking on the gross sex list. That's fine. Okay. So Bobby, this, I'm literally just talking about like the narrative structure of these scenes and like why they're next to each other in the plot. So Bobby goes to see Ben Horn Uh and then they talk about the civil war and whatever. And you really get into this whole, like Ben's a Confederate thing. And as you pointed out, there are like Confederate flags around and like, that's not a good look. Ben's whole obsession with this which seems very clearly linked to his like recent downfall is that he's trying to play out gettysburg where the south wins which just like just why did, did he have all that stuff Pick has something he else. always been into the confederacy is this something that manifested right now does it really matter how hackneyed is this plot line very it's like it's like in the flintstones when fred will get hit on the head with a bowling ball and imagine he's a different person yes. we have no reason to like expect other than confederates are bad and so has ben any connection between him and the confederacy any like yep. interest there it's just out of nowhere now. There is got to be something more relevant. It's out of nowhere there now, and it's what the set dressing department has clearly been tasked to work the hardest on. Yes. Uh, he could have so. done like the Vietnam War. Are we at? We're not at Desert Storm yet. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, is the, is the West Wing on? <laughs> uh, what is time? What is what? It's a human what, construction. What am time? Um, um, but anyway, so they do that scene and then Bobby walks out, walks out, talks to Audrey, finally in a look. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Yes. This is the business Audrey look we have been waiting for. She is truly ready to start scheming and plotting. <laughs> it's also like, normally I wouldn't even call it an Audrey look, but they have been dressing her so frumpy. Yeah. Yeah. And her hair is just right. So mm-hmm. into it. That's yeah. been your looks segment for the week. That is looks for the week. So they talk and then Catherine walks in and the camera just follows her back into Ben's office. Yeah. It seems very unnecessary. Right. It feels like those scenes could have been divided up differently. Mm-hmm. Mm. Why, why all three in a row? 
God. Why not? Bobby leaves the room. Catherine enters the room. It was a challenge to the viewers. I tell (laughs) you. Oh, is Ben and Catherine not bad enough? Here's James and Evelyn. Uh, You get a brief breather of Spooky Mountains pan. And then it's like, oh, nope. It's time for your favorite plot line. I Um, was really into the Spooky Mountains, though, and the Spooky Water Shot. Yeah. Uh, Oh, boy. Um... Hey, can we can we Ooh. say though that uh, Ed and Norma, like you know, not my OTP, but you know, considering that Nadine has her eyes on a younger man now, <laughs> and really needs to get her head on straight and start thinking of dear old Eddie. This is this is de facto Grape Runner <laughs> Corner. <laughs> Maybe I'll remember to edit the music in since we're recording this so early. Um, but since Nadine. Uh, doesn't have her heart in the right place right now mm-hmm. and is forcing herself upon young boys <laughs> in plum in public i also like good, great work by those extras in that scene by the way to go back to that the two guys in the booth right behind them who just like look and are like huh? they're not they don't really steal the scene but they're there and they look confused <laughs> they do their job um but yeah ed and norma reconnect in a in a somewhat you know maybe touching moment maybe if you if you care about them but uh it's just but guess who teleports right into the living room after normal leaves <laughs> <laughs> hank is really the time traveler oh hank's the time traveler now. Ooh, you know what it is he set major briggs up to go through time he's the one who set up the trap for major briggs and now he's harnessed it for himself i do not think he is smart enough to have invented this by any means but he has been tasked with setting major briggs up and he somehow has managed to use it for himself but explain this to me then how is hank so incompetent everything else he does and also always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Is that a cover? Is it a cover that he's always in the wrong place at the wrong time and so incompetent so that people don't suspect him of being the time cop? I don't want to say that it's a cover. I think that's giving him too much credit. I think he breaks the time travel capability after this. Okay. Uh, he just fucks up. He like leaves his portal gun in the last universe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but yeah. But how, there is no other explanation. How did he get in there? How did how did, why is why is he just there? Norma literally just left. <laughs> there was no time for like Ed to fix a drink or to like stretch out and be like, oh yeah, that was some good sex I just had. Like, no. Hank's been like there the whole time. Like Hank you... literally looked at Norma, looked at Norma leave, turned back, <laughs> and Hank was where Norma had just been. Uh you you put two Hanks in that scene. Ed looked at Norma. Ed looked at, whatever. Hank was also looking at Norma. Hank pulled a bob, was just behind the couch the whole time. (laughs) Which could actually be, but that's way worse. Um, But doesn't matter because time cop or not, Hank gets his ass beat once again and worse this time. Way worse. He gets like two licks in on Ed and then... Norma, uh, sorry, well, and then I just put Norma there back in the scene. <laughs> then Norma storms in, and then suddenly, like, no, um, Nadine, Nadine storms in. returns from cheerleading practice because she is on both the cheerleading team and the wrestling team. I'm also going to throw this out there. I'm guessing Model UN, probably, 
probably in the the, the upcoming play, uh, which they had to change because the last play featured the death of a young girl, and then it yeah. was not timely. Yeah. Uh, but now you know they're like, oh man, well. We don't have to have a teenager play an older woman now. <laughs> we just have to have an older woman who thinks she's a teenager play an older woman for, I don't know, what role might make sense for that. But There's got to be some Shakespearean play look, with a mom. With <laughs> To postpone my discussion of how great watching Nadine beat Hank up <laughs> is, uh, you have to know that if the wrestling coach is taking advantage of Nadine's uh, age and super strength, Every other fucking educator in Twin Peaks High School has to be doing the same shit. Like, because we know that Nadine has, like, nigh boundless energy now. Yeah. So she can, like, she can do that Hermione Granger time turner type shit. No time travel necessary for Nadine. She can just squeeze those hours out of the day and not sleep, probably. (laughs) So she's probably on all the extracurriculars right now. Shot put. Yeah. Yeah, the cheerleader, leading squad leader also happens to be on the, like, the shot put coach. And so it's like, yeah, you can throw people and these heavy balls. Great. Um, She's probably a janitor on the night shift. When I was in elementary school, this is a real story. When I was in elementary school, the janitor, uh, or custodian. Custodian. I think his closet, his closet office said janitor, but, like, should have said custodian. Anyway. This custodian it was a very nice dude, mm-hmm. but he would like offer to four or five kids uh, if they wanted to stay for the first like fifteen minutes of lunch period. We would all grab like the the big push Where mops, the dry push mops, and we would then just like brush up all the crap that the other kids had left on the floor during lunch, at least into like little piles, mm-hmm. and then he would like give us Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> Totally, totally, like, totally above board, normal. I think, like, even the school, like, knew it was going on. But then I thought about it and just, like, you could not pay me enough Jolly Ranchers to clean up after kids now that I'm an adult. You would have to be paying me cash. But that makes sense from an adult perspective because if kids will work for Jolly Ranchers, yeah, you just you just spend five bucks on Jolly Ranchers, like, once a month. Yeah. And you don't have to sweep up after lunch. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's some <laughs> that's some smart shit right there. It's a good scheme. I don't feel like I was used, but you probably had a ton of damn. fun. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to have fun cleaning. I don't do it voluntarily anymore. Uh huh. Uh huh. Was it like because you would race. You would race down the aisles of the lunch tables. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. You guys probably didn't do a very good job sweeping, but. Probably not. No, probably not. Also, I probably got a couple cavities because, like, those are the worst candies for you. Any hard candy? Yeah. That's just that's just a sugar train to pain town. Um, don't know why I said it that way. Feeling goofy. <laughs> well, now that I've taken this trip down memory lane, what's next for our discussion of the television show beloved cult hit Twin Peaks, Ashley? Um, I think we only have one storyline left. No, we don't. No, we have two. And you know what one we should cover first because we planted the seed earlier? No, I don't. I don't remember what seed we planted. I got I got too entrenched in my candy memories. <laughs> um, so we talked about people remembering things. And we said that there were two instances. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Wait. Wait. 
does Donna come in right after Normalese? Is that when mm-hmm. Donna comes okay. in? No, it's before. Okay. So literally Hank does teleport. Okay. But Donna reappears. <laughs> I'm going to give you the... No, you say it. What? You fucking say it. I can't. So Donna, who <laughs> has a free period. She's <laughs> playing hooky for this important mission that she's totally devoted to with her mind, heart, body, soul, everything. Blood, guts, viscera, every part of Donna's in for this. She got out of eighth period early because she finished the test with 15 minutes to spare. And she was like, hey, you know what? James drove away on a motorcycle a few days ago. I wonder what's up with that. And she stops by Ed's house and she says, I have been looking for James. Girl, no, you haven't. <laughs> uh, sorry, you your recounting of events was accurate, save for one thing. What am I missing? Donna, Donna cuts eighth period early. Before going to Ed's, it's like, hmm, time to stop by the hairdressers. Maybe get a yeah. nice, like, you know, flop bangs to one side, like. Some highlights, a little updo. She, like, <laughs> might have been wearing a look, but she was not in that scene long enough to qualify for the look segment. Try again next week, Donna. Try again next week when you don't just fucking tell the biggest lie. You've said, I, I, I'm a... New heights, new heights every week with Donna. <laughs> every time Donna pretends to care, she's pretending <laughs> harder than she did the last time. It's so true. At least originally when she started doing this shit, when she was like, oh, I'm so upset that I've stolen Laura's boyfriend after her death. She was like, oh, but this is like good for me. She <laughs> said it's a it's a beautiful dream and a terrible nightmare or whatever. She was like living both of those truths. Now, now Donna is playing f- the best fucking uh, heightening uh, role in an improv sketch ever. It's like whenever Donna walks into the scene, she like knows like okay to make this better, I have to heighten the joke. I have to I have to heighten the the comedy. So mm-hmm. I have to pretend. I have to say something that shows I'm pretending to care more than the <laughs> last time I pretended to care. Otherwise, the humor is just gone. And she's doing it 100% right. She is committed. Yes. She is committed. She is yes anding to the idea <laughs> of not giving a fuck about anybody around her. In like actuality, <laughs> she's like, I'm just gonna call, like where James is now. Girl, James has been away for a couple days now. You were like chatting it up with Mike and <laughs> laughing at his situation, doing a walk and talk, getting back into classes, <laughs> making up for lost time because she did not attend school for like three weeks. <laughs> you know, you know that by attending class, all Donna's doing is like. Thinking of the next fucked up thing she can say and then turning in a test that just says, my friend Laura died (laughs) and she's going to skate through the rest of the semester on that alone. And if that doesn't help, she's going to go into the classroom and then cry about Maddie. And if that doesn't help, she's going to cry about James. And Mm -hmm. then the teacher's going to remember, oh, fuck, that that boy who would break pencils. He's gone. (laughs) I didn't even notice. He was so boring. Donna has her whole, she has the rest of high school planned out. She's not going to do a single fucking thing except ruin people's lives. She's reached her peak. What more can we say? (laughs) I don't know. 
I don't know what more we can say. Every time we talk about Donna, every time I start running my mouth about Donna, I think this is it. This is the last time I get fired up about this. <laughs> you know what I actually want to say, though? Donna may have been more interesting than some of the other plot lines we have now. Yeah, we can read so much into what Donna yeah. like, like does yeah. and says. <laughs> but like... Evelyn scheming on James. I don't care. Dick Tremaine and Andy are incompetent together, which, which is much less entertaining than Andy being incompetent on his own. Like, or with the department. Yeah. With his uh, colleagues. Uh, Nadine's super strength. Yeah. Yeah. Josie's indentured servitude. Where's Pete? We're, we're not caring about Josie's indentured servitude. Yeah, we're I'll not tell you that. Any internal Pete struggle. No, no he's just got no. his feet kicked up. Damn it, Pete! I expected better. You. He's not going to ask Josie for anything. But if Catherine tells Josie to bring him some beer, Pete's not going to say no. That's where he's at with this. <sighs> I'm upset. He is standing by in the face of oppression. Damn it, Pete. Um. All right. So let's talk about Cooper and Denise in the department. Now, where to begin? Um, at the beginning. Let's talk about Sweaty Ernie. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He's a he's a sweat he's a sweaty scummy man. He just sweats a lot. He's a coward. <laughs> so fucking boring. This <laughs> is such a in case you guys were wondering, he says he suffers from hyperhidrosis. If it wasn't for the fact that Hank needed to get his ass clocked by Nadine in this episode, the there's no reason really for like if if we don't put that much stock in uh Norma's mom being mean. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, you know, it, anything added to that plotline by Norma's mom having a new husband. Mm-hmm. Then there's no point to why Ernie is around. Ernie yeah. Ernie serves a role that Hank could have served because Hank's already incompetent, yeah. already not like the bravest, so it could have been cajoled into like, you know, yep. doing this whole thing. Yep. Let's remember he he <laughs> killed a vagrant rather than just cover his tracks for a yeah, premeditated that was his murder. brilliant plan. <laughs> I don't think this guy graduated from Time Cop Academy. There's got to be a different explanation. But anyway, Ernie certainly didn't. Um, and so they set up the deal. And then fucking slight number one, Denise walks into the room in a suit and says, mm. call me Dennis. Uh, because that's where this is going. Uh, Dennis is going to... To take the deal or be standing for the deal. Um, that's why. Why? Well, oh, why? do you want to know why? Should I continue summarizing? Because, of course, as they so brilliantly set up, Sweaty Ernie sweats so much that he shorts the wire and his shirt starts smoking. <laughs> which is like, I really wonder if that's physically possible with nope. 1990s nope. wire tech. Nope. Like, <laughs> no. I think you the the suction cup would sooner just like, wait, I don't why why did I say suction cup? What's going on? How is he sweating so much that it's literally shorted out something like? 
Is there a loose wire to begin with? Yeah. Is there just like an exposed wire like hovering right over Ernie's nipple? It's like, and if you fuck this up, at least you're going to get a little shock. Like, (laughs) teach you you to not sweat so much. Like, anyway. So, uh, they take Ernie and they take Denise. And then Cooper's like, no, I know you want to kill me, but you should take me for them. Uh... Then some shit happens, which was probably cut from the episode, because when we cut back later, Cooper's got a scar under his eye? Yeah, he's got a cut. Yeah. What happened? Did he, like, fall over and, like, trip on some thorns on his way to (laughs) Dead Dog Farm? (laughs) Like, whoops, wasn't my finest moment. Not most dignified as I walk into probably death. Um, But, so this is all new to you. Yeah. You stop watching... At the first of two back-to-back gross sex scenes. Tell me what you think of the ultimate reason why Denise is in Twin Peaks. Does it make you as upset as I kind of, like, intonated it would? Yeah, this is bad. This is bad. This was just such a, like, shocking gotcha moment that just had no real point. Like, why couldn't Denise have done the bi as a woman mm-hmm. there are plenty of women who like to do drugs they just des- they decide to milk the gender the, fluidity the gender fluidity twice by having nope first i'm in a suit and i'm gonna present male and then gotcha you wouldn't expect that a woman coming up here would possibly thwart your plans and maybe you're right because what we've been like the way we've been like constructing this the whole time is questioning whether or not this person who's decided to identify herself by who does identify as a woman. Yeah. Who does identify as a woman. The entire like situation surrounding it is all built around the question of that identity. Yeah. And the validity of that identity. I mean, on the one hand, like I think that like a trans woman should be able to like, put on drag and not have her gender identity question yeah drag is like very separate from like real i don't want to say real gender identity and drag can be like very close to like Mm -hmm. your gender identity but drag is a heightened version of the everyday gender performance yeah that's why it's sort of like fun and playful and i don't think that we should exclude trans people from that kind of play and thereby put their trans identity into question by any means but that's absolutely what the show narratively is trying to point the viewers towards yes and it's just absurd like Like, i think we could they could have a really interesting discussion about like the fluidity of identity like it would be so much different if one day like the, the episode after denise is introduced denise returns and she's wearing a suit and it's like why and it's like well because today i feel like that that's a that's a nuanced take but no the reason why Denise puts on a suit is to like use that identity not as like an actual like embodied lived character trait or like a, something you know about this character no it's to be a like plot hook like something to advance the plot something to make action happen and you know that's just it's it's either qualifies as in my book as or just like is right on the line of just like objectification no like, yeah it is you're, objectification. You're, you're just moving you're moving these chess pieces around in your in your storyline basically yeah and you decide that you know it's fucked it's bad it's real bad it is really bad 
And then also, when she comes back in the waitress uniform, it's like not good either. It's not no, it's not good that way. And like also just like a terrible plan. Yeah. Like like just not a good plan. There is like, just a lot of we'll, we'll we'll slip Cooper a gun and that'll fix everything. On Denise's thigh holster. Why can't Denise just pull the gun? She's a DEA agent. She's had shooting look, training. Look, I'm miming it, but you'll have to imagine at home. You're walking up to Dead Dog Farm. You've got a pie in your two hands. Oh, what's that? Underneath the pie, you've got a gun. Blammo, blammo. Like, you don't. You haven't even thrown the pie away. Yeah. You can probably do that if you're Denise, <laughs> like a star DEA agent. Exactly. But instead... Also, why has it been so long and why haven't you just had Hawk sneak around and <laughs> fucking knife those dudes in the back? He's clearly proved more than capable and they spent... So- Jacques... Spent so much time taunting Cooper. This is an important point. Taunting Cooper, suggesting that Cooper brought all this evil and bad vibes with him to Twin Peaks. Right, and you talked over a lot of that monologue. Sorry, I did. Because I forgot that it was actually like... It's a bit of a character moment for Cooper because we know he has a troubled past. I mean, I like knew where it was going. After his exposition dump. Yeah. Um, But... Jacques Renault should have gotten a knife in the back at yeah, that point. Yeah. Also the Mountie. <gasps> that would have been such a great moment. Like, yeah. It's just, the idea presented seems to be Denise has to present as male in order to be capable of doing this drug buy. Mm-hmm. And then when she's presenting as female again, she has to give Cooper the gun. She can't use it herself. It has to be on her leg. They have to make a joke about her legs. It's super hackneyed. And I feel like initially I was more less upset with David Duchovny's performance than where it's at now, where I feel like more and more I'm feeling like he is playing the lines for laughs. Yeah. Well, de- definitely in this episode. Yeah, definitely in this episode it's because this really is really This is the turn. This is this is what this was building towards, and like I suggested, it's nothing good. It's nothing good. It's not a. It's not a savvy or sensitive portrayal on like really any wavelength. When you get down to the actual brass tacks of what the entire Denise plot line is yep. and how it's used to wrap up the yep. Jacques Renault plot line. Yep. Now Jacques dead. Yep. Um and again this is like why was this why did all this happen in one episode why is cooper's captivity like less than half of the total storyline of this episode it's important to give audrey something to do by having audrey be helpless and in captivity for four or five episodes but cooper has like other things to do so we gotta wrap that up real quick see it's fucked it's thoroughly fucked what should have happened the whole back end should be about Cooper's suspension from the FBI. You can make this whole captivity thing half of that plot line. But then where are you going to fit in the aliens? Where are you going to fit in the brother-sister? Audrey's going to fucking take care of the aliens. Where are you going to fucking fit in the brother-sister incest setup? Where are you going to fit in Donna saying, hey, I'm still fucking around over here, still like ruining people's lives. Where are you going to fit in all the other... Where are you going to fit in the the... The Milfords, super <laughs> important. What about the return of okay. Ben and Catherine fucking? What about all these other important things, Ashley? Okay, replace <laughs> replace the Milfords with the Tremens, first of all. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
second, write Audrey write Audrey into the DEA plotline. Cooper's captured. Denise is trying her best to get Cooper out of this situation. She needs another set of hands. She brings Audrey in. Yeah. Get Bobby Briggs out of Ben's plotline. I don't care if he's at home with Shelly. I don't care if he's doing something else. <laughs> Hopefully he's at least being nice to Shelly. Yeah. Um, what was the, Didn't we say that Bobby and Shelly should have started a business? Yeah. What business? Party store? No, no that's Leo. Party store. That's Leo after he's <laughs> right. come out of his coma. Which, actually, we have evidence for that maybe being in the cards this episode. <laughs> given that he went out and found that party hat. He goes, okay, time to scare or maybe murder my wife and then leave town. And with just this, I started my, my murderous party business with but one party hat upon my head. And then it was like gift of the magi. I traded that party hat for two for two streamers, and then I traded those two streamers for a gift bag, and up and on from there until. And the name I chose for myself in my party star identity, John Wayne Gacy. Maybe not a great call. Maybe not my smartest call, he says as he's in the electric chair. But damn it, I'm Leo Johnson and I made my party store dream happen. What was the business we wanted, Bobby and Shelly? I don't remember. I just remember the party store. I feel like maybe they didn't have a business then. Maybe not. I would have remembered that. No, we wanted them to... Oh, yeah. We wanted we wanted them to eventually be in charge of the double R. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Season three, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, gosh. Anyway, uh, let's. Oh yeah, so it's just the ending because now we wrapped up what was a super important plot line. Definitely yep. wanted to know what happened to the last of the three Renault brothers. Yeah. But, um, Wyndham Earl. Uh, Ooh. that's right. That's not the. That's yeah. The stinger isn't isn't uh Leo. Even though that would have been a better stinger. Can I do a sidebar with Leo for a second? I feel like I just said that really unintelligibly. Yeah, do a sidebar with Leo. Is this about the party store? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, actually, no. I just, um, it was <laughs> on This American Life. But they did a really interesting interview with someone who had locked in syndrome. But like uh. came, basically like came out of a vegetative state into what is essentially locked in syndrome. And there was a period of like six years where his family just like didn't know that he was conscious and he had no way to communicate it which sounds like terrifying and terrible Mm -hmm. uh did that ever involve them putting a party hat on his head and letting kareen face first into a cake no but he did his mom said his family said some stuff to him that's that was basic i mean the gist was like basically like is are you really living like Mm -hmm. is this comfortable for you not knowing that he could like actually process what they were saying oh it's terrifying i've told you i get i've gotten sleep paralysis a couple times you have told me about that it's the worst i can't imagine that like feeling for six years god oh god yeah but it's really interesting because he talks about um how he started to track the passage of time Mm -hmm. and then i think basically just like on a whim they did a cognitive test on him and like figured out that he like was conscious and like now he has one of those computers you work with your eyes oh wow Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah. Also, given that this is an audio record that will hopefully exist until the end of human time, <laughs> but probably, probably outlast me even. Uh, if I ever, ever end up in that state, like, just assume that maybe there is some consciousness there, just to be safe, just to be, like, just to be safe. Okay. Because if uh, now, because now I just thought about it, because then I thought about the sleep paralysis, and I thought about what about sleep paralysis for six years. But then the worst thing would be like, oh, but like, uh, there's nothing in there. We just gotta like, that's the scariest. That's a that's a Twilight Zone episode. But like twice as fucked yeah. up. Like that's no, yeah. that's bad. Actually, when this is really interesting because I feel the opposite way. <laughs> yeah. Um. When when Lamar Odom had his medical crisis, I kept saying like uh, he's gonna pass soon, and I kept being like, if this was me, like I would want the court the the wow. plug to be pulled at this point. Wow. And obviously now we know that he's like alive and like receiving like cognitive therapy, and he's gonna mm-hmm. like regain total functionality um in the future but if had that been me my wishes would have oh boy this is something i get into on my other podcast the funny one (laughs) (laughs) uh we talk about you know existential crises and and kind of just like you know life and death type things a bunch i but i don't like thinking about this i really don't like thinking about this at my old job i used to just on the fly have to like witness people writing their wills and their living wills yeah um i do i do want to clarify if if we haven't made this clear in past episodes i don't think either of us are okay with how bobby and shelly treat leo like we don't think we've talked about that but Um, i want to emphasize like as funny as we think the party scene is we also know that like that's really fucked up and now i'm thinking about that doubly because i guess I, i don't see leo my interpretation up to this point is not that Leo has been conscious for all of that, mm-hmm. but it takes on a way different stripe given that he did apparently put the party hat on and smear cake yeah, on his face. Um, that that is like a, a terrifying thing that even someone as terrible as Leo Johnson, like I would not actually wish yeah. that upon them in real life. Like, yeah. Well, and it's again, like so interesting because like if you take um, Jean-Dominique Babi who wrote the diving bell and the butterfly, he had that massive stroke and he was only able to blink a single eyelid. And he ended up writing a whole book that's like really beautiful. Um, but they did a cognitive test on him shortly after his medical emergency. Yeah. And if you are to regain some kind of higher level brain function after they've done that initial test, there's no reason for them to retest you. Yeah. Do more research if you're a cognitive researcher. Figure out if there's any other sign to say, like, suggest a retest. But anyway, cool. Um, I'm done thinking about this right now, <laughs> except for uh, at, like, 3 in the morning tonight when I'm going to be thinking about it. I'm super glad we got on this subject. Super glad. Super glad I'm going to go to work tomorrow and just be like, uh. Just anyway. empowering you with knowledge. No, that's not <laughs> quite how that works in this case. Uh, so... <laughs> fuck one plot line done and now Wyndham earl is making blowing up like power uh stations in twin peaks and planting bodies in the sheriff's office with a chess move some true detective shit yeah or some or some twin peaks circa 1990 shit some true detective shit okay sure true detective season one shit but here we go he's he's around Evidently. He's killed a random ass person. Random ass person who Usenet is really invested really? in t- 
trying to figure out was that a woman or a man and oh wait maybe it was uh craig uh mclaughlin is that kyle mclaughlin's brother who yep. the f- like god yep. damn it use that should we yep. just move on to that yeah this is well wait can i do production notes real quick oh yeah yeah those usually come so first. this episode was written by harley payton who we should all know by now yep frequent writer on this show and this is the best at writing sex scenes (laughs) just yep only the best and this episode was directed by todd holland i believe this is the first episode that he directed um he's going to direct actually he directed one prior i didn't take note of that anyway he directs two episodes through the course of the series and do you want to hear what he's worked on since then yes um he had a little renaissance in the 90s he worked on my so-called life felicity single episode of friends wonderfalls do you know that show no that was brian fuller's show i think after dead like me okay do you watch hannibal did you watch hannibal no but he went on to do hannibal after that he did go on to do hannibal and there is some actors who appear on Hannibal are on Wonderfalls, and this is like the only non-gory, grotesque, morbid, death-obsessed show that he's done. Huh. He directed, not Brian Fuller, Todd Holland, directed 26 episodes of Malcolm in the Middle. Hell yes. Yes. A fucking classic, if you ask me. Then he takes a little break. He directs some episodes of Sons of Tucson, which I've never seen or heard of. Two episodes of 30 Rock, one episode of Shameless, my garbage show of choice. He directs seven episodes of Go On, and then he directs on the Michael J. Fox show about a boy, Selfie, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and something called Stitchers. Wow. So he really, like, goes on to do a lot of comedy. Yeah. Interesting. Right? Considering how this episode, what do we have? We have Nadine uh, doing her stuff. And then Dick and Andy. Those are like those are like the the funny moments, right? Actually, you know, it is really his subtle hand in directing Laura Flynn Boyle to say that yes. she was looking for yes. James that proves his Hilarious. muster as a comedy director. Hilarious. Um, oh, he also directed an episode of Tales from the Crypt, basically right after he did Twin Peaks. <laughs> cool. So he's in a spooky vibe then. Yeah. Um, it's really. I can't wait until I've had a career long enough as when you can track, like, this is Matt's spooky phase. It's really interesting because I know this screenwriter who primarily writes horror films. That's, like, mm-hmm. his thing. But then he gets commissioned to do rewrites on, like, most of the Nickelodeon movies. Whoa. Did he do rewrites on Snow Day? I don't think he did that one. Well, then, fuck him. Sorry. Doesn't matter. But it's really interesting. What about what about that one where it was based off the This American Life story and they're trapped in the airport? Never mind. <laughs> There's a Nickelodeon movie that's based off a story that aired on This American Life, if you can believe that. What? Yeah, it's crazy. And I it's think Ira not... Glass is like a co-producer of it. And it's I wish not... I remember. Unaccompanied Minors! That's oh. what it is. That's what it is. It's about these kids who like were in an airport because like their their flight got snowed in. Or I whatever. think that predates him. Yeah. That's his okay. career. Anyway, I think Ira Glass like has like a producer credit on a Nickelodeon movie. That's it's super really weird. Weird. Uh, fact check me. Go to Wikipedia. Um, or do what we're gonna do. Go to Usenet. 
Hey, this was your first week actually looking at Usenet. Yeah. And you had you had a it oh. seemed like a roaring good time. Oh boy. I didn't know what I was missing. Um Okay. Uh let's no, let's let's save that best one for last. Um but <laughs> let's 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 say the the sentiment i f- feel like i most uh agree with first uh <laughs> okay. do you want to read the post titled why i give up give me a couple lines off the okay. top of that okay okay this is called why i give up by john burns the more I watch Twin Peaks, the more I think that they really don't know what they're doing. Mark Frost scripts have been the only really coherent ones. From here, they kind of lose me. <laughs> Every time Harley Payton writes a script, the intellectual level of the show drops another notch. For example, there was no indication of concrete supernatural activity at the beginning of the show. The theory that my cell of te- Twin Peaks watchers had developed at the end of the first season was that Leland had abused Laura as a child, had descended into murder, and had finally killed his own daughter. One variant of this idea was that he had meant to kill Ronette. Instead, T equals Teresa, R equals Ronette. Oh, huh. That version includes Leland's descent into madness and Laura's redemption by trading her life for Ronette's. Bob was just a name for the dark side of Leland. We don't need to keep reading this part. This but, is actually uh, pretty interesting. Well, I don't want to read this next part because it's like... Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit too... You can just find this post on yeah, Usenet now that we've read the ex- whole title. That's some explicit theory crafting. Um, but, oh God, I'm picking myself up twice now because you slightly moved your microphone. Anyway, <laughs> this show keeps bouncing downhill. Like, I'll just keep... Um, <laughs> let's... Uh, well, this, this, close, this post ends with, and so another attempt at quality television collapses... Collapses... That's probably collapses collapses under the weight of its own potential. All right, and he has a little sign off, and it says, "I'll cool off on you." Yeah, you haven't been telling me about these amazing sign offs that all these Usenet users had, like uh, little signatures and things. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people leaving their like IRL addresses on there. Yeah, kind of crazy. Don't do that. This is a cute post. Ooh, this is a good one. Uh, called Making Life More Surreal. And I'll try to give a, a condensed version of it. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I love this the moment I read the first line. Sitting in the local Arby's with his baby brother and me, my three-year-old Alan looked up from his adventure meal and said, these grapes are right on the edge. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait for it, though. Uh, this is a bit unusual, but not too... <laughs> Wait, I didn't notice that line before. How's that not too unusual? Um, but all day long, he kept shouting, road trip, road trip. Finally, when our housemate came home, Alan told him, every day, once a day, give yourself a present. Evidently, in exploring our Macintosh, Alan had come across a Twin Peaks stack, which we had downloaded, consisting of various quotes from the show. You just click on the words, and the Mac plays the quote. Of course, being a three-year-old, Alan sits there and plays them over and over. Uh, there must be some way to put this to good use. The only thing I can think of is that it's going to teach him how to read, only instead of C-Spot Run, it's going to be Damn Good Coffee and Hot or Fire Walk With Me. Um, I think this is an adorable story. <laughs> it warms my heart. Um, also, Alan, if you're out there listening, we want you to guest on this podcast. Alan, I want to hear all your impressions. I want to hear all the lines you remember from heart. Also, Alan, I feel like a kindred spirit. I was a kid who was let allowed to use a computer 
way too young. <laughs> uh, I was bouncing around web rings in like 1998, just going from page to page wow. about Doctor Who or Back to the Future wow. or whatever I was into at the time. My internet was too slow at that time to do anything. Yeah. Oh, we had that. We had that. That sick. Mm, love it. 56K America Online. Wow. Super lightning fast. I would play with all of the sample discs we would get in the mail, and I probably <laughs> broke half of them. Probably dismantled a fair number of floppy disks I shouldn't have. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, that was making life more surreal. Um, but I, I, I want you to read the entirety of... I figured it all out. Okay. Spoil Spoilers from January 19th, which is the date this episode aired. Um, okay. This is from Emmanuel Goldstein. I just figured out something, parentheses, maybe. I just figured something out, maybe, parentheses. I heard that David Lynch actually comes from Missoula, Montana. In the episode where Maddie is killed, Leland smashes her head into a picture which had Missoula, Montana written on it while saying the words to the effect of, you're going back to Missoula, Montana. David or Lynch directed that episode. He has not since directed any episodes. Maddie represents Twin Peaks slash Lynch. Lynch has gone back to Missoula. Maddie was killed when her head struck the picture. Twin Peaks died when Lynch stopped directing. Hence, the symbolism leaves the show and enters real life. All right, it's a bit of a reach, but it is interesting. How about this? If, as the last episode suggests, there is something going on beneath Twin Peaks, could that be? Could that have been what Maddie saw a hint of when she saw something in the floor? Like, really solid reading of a super consequential scene and also the meta-textual elements of the show. And then, like, but also, like, I'm going to try to, like, maybe, like, give just, like, a, you know... The floor. The floor and stuff, maybe. Some literal. No. Emmanuel, you killed it. You knocked it out of the park. (laughs) (laughs) You could have stopped with the first two paragraphs. Um, I love that. I love it a lot. This is, like, some shit that I would write freshman year of college being like the the writer is writing the writer into the text it's metatextual it's modernism give me a good grade right would you still write that now or would you just write it smarter Um, would you write smarter now or would you not write it at all do you feel like you've given up on like you've distanced yourself from reading texts in that way um no that used to be like my theory crutch was like the metatextual and meta commentary (laughs) and then i think i wrote the vast majority of my papers during my last two years of college on gender ah okay so yeah and we as we've gone into there's plenty of gender things to mine in twin peaks you don't need to so don't need to bring david into every conversation um also later on this thread somebody else uh theorizes uh, that the um, the three triangles on Major Briggs' neck uh, is connected, uh, which we know are somehow connected to the darkness in the woods, is actually referencing the Hanford Nuclear Facility, which Ooh, is a f- which facility is in uh, Washington that like had, I guess, like a meltdown or a failure. So that area is super irradiated, and they have to... I, I heard about this. It's like a super bad, like, they got to have to, like, you know, uh, all the environmental agencies that would be concerned with it like on it 24 7 and they have to like burp these vats of uh radioactive material because oh if they were God. to let the gases build up in there it could trigger an explosion which itself could then like trigger like a reaction and all sorts of bad stuff right um so yeah have you seen that john oliver special on how our nuclear facilities are still using floppy disks nope 
but also like I'm not that afraid. Do you, do you, do you realize why I'm not that afraid of that? Where are you going with this? Think about think about your phone. Think about how amazing your iPhone is, right? Yes. Think about all the times your iPhone utterly shits the bed because it has to do a million things all at once. And some bro who went to um, Stanford and got like all C minuses then made his own startup with daddy's money and then wrote that app that you depend on to get places or to do things. And then it fucks up at the worst possible time. Now imagine a world where that dude instead was like, you know what's more lucrative? Rewriting the infrastructure that runs nuclear power plants. That has like that has like like failure rate otherwise like has failed less than other things. No. Old technology does not equal like the worst. Okay. Like um there think- are other things. <laughs> I'm sure there are other things at play there, but like if all you're telling me is like floppy disk, it's like no, there are like other things. I would hope it doesn't take gigabytes of data to maintain a nuclear power plant, considering that we started doing those before we had like that kind of computer technology at our disposal. So I would hope that those systems don't actually need like a huge amount of like memory to be like competent and like not just like shitting the bed well isn't the point also that if the floppy disk breaks it's going to be harder to replace it mm, uh, you can still like you could still be able to do that like you would be able to secure that kind of like memory and storage stuff for the event like you have a nuclear power plant like it's not like they've come stopped like manufacturing those entirely it's not like kodak like old kodak film or something like, the day's coming though um but in that special also they had a bunch of like nuclear reactor operators who were taking the test to like renew their mm-hmm. like clearance to operate it and they were caught in a cheating scandal because they were all texting each other answers they also left the door to the nuclear facility open and their like chipotle delivery person just walked into the facility and found everyone asleep basically yeah well think about this that's like a million times worse than the floppy disk thing think about this we went to a school where with a our nuclear reactor were were allowed to run the reactor yeah. okay you should already like of all the things you should be terrified of ashley i should probably should been already more afraid be of that more afraid of the people running the nuclear power plants exactly exactly i've never been in the reactor have you did you ever have a class with someone who you knew was running the reactor I would hear about it sometimes. Like you would come across someone and then they would like casually drop in a conversation that they like worked at the reactor. I can think of at least one person who I know worked in the reactor and who was, I was in a class with. And I was like, if that thing was actually capable of killing us, I would leave this classroom right now, march over there and demand that you were fired for this dumb shit you just said in class because it demonstrated that you are not mentally capable of being responsible enough to run a nuclear reactor all right but luckily reed will sooner like reed will sooner erupt in the actual physically manifested flames of a student versus alumni flame war on facebook (laughs) than a nuclear like holocaust situation so that is probably true 
And this has been way off subject. The Reed nuclear reactor reactor has a significantly higher portion of women running the reactor yeah. than in like oh. all of the other Trust me. reactors across Trust the country. Me. This person I have in mind was a dumbass guy. Yeah. Um, do we have one more? Yeah, we do. Uh, but now I lost the place. Wait, no, that was it. Was no, it? didn't you want to read? Did you not want to read the James isn't so bad one? Well, we made reference you, to that. You already made reference. Yeah. Okay. Basically, this person was trying to defend the character of James as being It was complex. a pretty long-winded... In another post that we won't excerpt, just like they were talking about like, oh, once the mystery was solved, people dropped the show, but now it's so much more complex and interesting and, and you know, there's, <laughs> it reminds me, it's so much more artistic. It's like, no, it's not. It's dumb scenes with Andy and Dick Tremaine and... Honestly, part of the reason I stopped watching around this point is I knew someone who I knew had bad taste, who had that kind of taste, who was like, well, after the mystery is revealed, it's so much better. Like, those are all the good episodes with Wyndham Earl. And I was like, you have bad taste. I don't want to. Do I know this person? No, you actually don't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, you probably know them in passing, but I don't think you know. Okay. What if what if it turned out that the person that you're thinking of is the same person as the reactor person? That'd be interesting, but I don't think that's the case. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to make my dumb aside <laughs> relate. I so mean, I've had don't feel like they've wasted so many weird asides throughout this whole thing. <laughs> Let's not get back down the Cronenberg alley. Um, is so Usenet production episode cool? Food. No food this week. I ate some food this week. You ate, yeah, you ate some food this week, but it wasn't related to the episode. There no. were donuts. I did, I did like the fact that Cooper was disgusted by <laughs> Ernie having taken one bite of a donut and put it back on the plate. But like, yeah, Ernie's a slob. We get it. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Twin Peaks for you. Um, As we run out of food, the show gets worse and worse. I mean, I had an inkling that we, if we wanted to be really on the food segment, We'd be returning to the coffee donut pie well quite a bit. And I don't think I could bring myself to eat that many donuts and coffees and pies each week. Yeah. When we record this. But we are going to do tenales before the show is done. We're going to do what? Tenales. What? It's a donut place in Portland. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay. So I'm Matt Olson. I do another podcast. It's called Can You Get to That? With my friend Caitlin Best. Um, by the time you're listening to this episode, I will have finally uploaded the, uh, the ASMR episode hey. of Can You Get To That? And I believe the next topic we're going to do is the French Republican calendar. That was when, during the revolution, the revolutionaries were like, what if we had a decimal calendar where the days, or sorry, where the weeks lasted, uh, 10 days. Doesn't that sound crazy? Yeah, it does. <laughs> you should tune in and listen. That's can you get to that dot simplecast.fm or just search can you get to that on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Matthew Olson. Spell it right. Um, you can find the show that you're listening to right now. It's at Twin Peaks Peaks on Twitter. And it's on Facebook at facebook.com slash Twin Peaks. We're also on Tumblr. I have not posted in a little bit. Yes, but that would be twinpeacepeace.tumblr.com, right? It would be, yeah. Okay. I forget how the URLs on Tumblr work sometimes. Uh, and that's it for my bit. All right. I'm Ashley Brandt. You can listen to me on other fine podcasts, such as The K-Hole, where Taylor Legrand and I talk about 
keeping up with the Kardashians. It's a really big week. Kim had her and Kanye's second baby. His name is Saint West. Some really big news. On the last episode, Chloe had not one but two mediums come to her house, and Chris forgot when Kylie was graduating from high school. It was an uproarious episode for us all. And I'm also hosting a show called Yeah, I've Seen That with Sandra DeAnda. We finally recorded a Grizzly Man episode. Um, And we have some interesting discussions about what nature means and um, Werner Herzog's whole um, filmography as a documentarian. And I hope like a whole 30 seconds of silence where you consider the actual like what happens in Grizzly Man and then you just can't say anything. And it's just 30 seconds, sorry, 30 minutes in the middle of the podcast of just pure silence. <laughs> well, you'll have to listen to find out. Yeah, um, that's, that's, that's the hook. That is the hook. They and should search for those on iTunes, right? Yeah, those are both on iTunes. I need to upload new art for the K-Hole. We look like we don't know what we're doing. I don't know why iTunes won't show our art. I'm making better art. Thanks, Steve Jobs. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at Ashley Brandt cool yeah you know what happens after <laughs> this right i don't have anything more to say I, I always talk too much and then i try to not talk and then you just like stay silent okay. bring Wait. us on home you can't make me laugh release us this. from this prison ashley <laughs> release us from podcasting prison these grapes are right on edge <laughs>